You'll know real when you get it. It will say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like a gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Hello, hello, it's Brooke DeVard, and you're listening to the Naked Beauty Podcast. Today, I'm so excited about this conversation with Alon Holt, who I had the pleasure of meeting at Stanford University, but Alon is a very, very accomplished artist. I'm going to read you guys a little bit from her bio, but Alon is a dramatist and mother who imagines and manifests entire worlds on stage for close, intimate audiences. The landscapes of her written work root themselves in themes of loneliness, love, and utopian desires. Alon has been super, super successful, even though she's extremely young. So she had her first film, Inamorata, premiered on Issa Rae's production company. Like she's a Sundance fellow already. And I think she's been probably successful her entire career because I know that the first play that Alon wrote, Lupita Nyong'o starred in. So Alon is just incredibly, incredibly accomplished. And it's a pleasure to have her on the show. I hope you guys enjoy the conversation. Thank you for being on Naked Beauty. Cheers. Cheers. I'm very excited to have you on because you're one of my few guests that's actually listened to, you've listened to the show. Deeply. (laughs) Yes, since like the early days, since the days when it was really, really just on the fly. I mean, it still is, as you can see, but... I really um, appreciate the fact that you've always like, listened and supported. Yeah, I'm a huge fan. I think, yeah, since the beginning. And so I'm very honored to be, be a guest at this point. Oh, thank, thank you. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm like so happy that you're here. I don't know the origin of your name. How did you get this name, Alon? Yeah. Um, well, my father's middle name is Alan. And okay. then my mom thought that by adding a hyphen to it or a dash that it would ah, feminize it. That's yeah. Amazing. So Alon, A-L-E-N is how you spell it. And um, it means full of life. Okay, it has a meeting. And your yeah. and your daughter's name is Indigo. Yeah. Does Indigo have a meaning yeah. besides the color? At the time when um and I was pregnant with Indigo, the color blue just kept coming up over and over. Okay. Whether it was she was born on a blue moon, which is when there's two full moons in one oh. one cycle. Um I would walk around like everything was Indigo, Indigo Hotel, Indigo. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And at the time, um she was born in 2013. Beyonce just had blue ivy. Yes, yes. So I felt like I wanted to not do that, but <laughs> yeah, well, but still honor, um, but still honor the kind of blue um, yes. pigment and honor that space. So indigo kind of came from that. Awesome. Yeah. I 
So Umut and I were like figuring out, do we do a Turkish name? Do we do an American name? I think we're like leaning towards Turkish. And blue in Turkish is Mavi. Oh, wow. And I'm like, I love the name Mavi. I think that would be so cute. That is so beautiful. Is it like bad luck to say what you're going to name your child ahead of time? I don't think so. I think it's an intention. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's an intention. I love that. Okay. So, and you became, how old were you when you became a mother? I was 23. So Super young. Very young. Uh, Obviously, like in the history of motherhood, it's relative, but right. in this day and age, I felt like that was very young. And I definitely felt that while pregnant and immediately yeah. after. Now I'm 29, so yes. I feel like in stride. I know. And also, don't you feel like you're like a little bit ahead of everyone else? I do. <laughs> like I do. It must be, it's like you've turned in your homework early. Like I've already, <laughs> I've already gotten friend, through the difficult years. Yeah. My friend Elliot says where I was an early adopter. Yeah. So. Oh my gosh. Totally. Totally. <laughs> so I love in some that. ways, yeah. I love that. Do you feel like a lot of your identity is like being a mom? I do. Um, Not all of my identity, but definitely I try to embrace it and bring it into everything that I do. So whether it's artistic work, whether it's my professional life, I mean, it's not something that I just leave at the door. So I feel like, yeah, and Indigo's very present. Yes, yeah, she's adorable. (laughs) She's like the most vibrant little five-year-old I've ever seen. Thank you. She's so cute. So where did you grow up? I grew up in Los Angeles. Oh, really? Yeah. Where in in, LA? uh, Gardena. So it's like the southernmost part of, of Los Angeles. Yeah, I grew up in LA, very California. Okay. Yeah. Was it like Hollywood kids or more like well adjusted? It was very much like we were in LA, but not of LA. Okay. More of like this a South Bay area vibe. Okay. So like Torrance and Redondo Beach and okay. kind of so very like a beach city okay. kind of vibe. Yeah. Okay. So you would like yeah. go to the beach after school. Go to the beach after school. All that, like all that good volleyball, stuff. Volleyball, run to the beach. Yeah. Like that kind of vibe. <laughs> and so then, so when it was time to go to college, you were like, I want to stay on the West Coast. I want to stay at Stanford. I didn't think I was, like Stanford was very much like a very far out vision for me. I didn't okay. think, it wasn't something I always aspired. I didn't even know what Stanford was, to be honest, really? before I grad, before I applied there. Okay. My cousin went to Stanford two years before me. Okay. And she kind of very much ushered the way. It was kind of like, if my cousin can do it, I can do okay. it. And then my aunt, who was her mother, like really just helped me a lot during the process. So. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. I was kind of like thinking about art school, actually. Really? Yeah. Well, yeah. You are obviously very artistic, and you're you're still involved with Stanford, right? I mean, you're mm-hmm. you're working within. What's your yeah. official title? My official title today is um, interim executive director of the Institute for Diversity in the Arts. Awesome, so, that's yeah. awesome. Congratulations! Yeah. Thank you. And you've done such amazing programs there. Like I saw that you guys brought Solange, and she did this mm-hmm. whole talk. And yeah, like, with Melissa Harris Perry. Oh, yeah. So good, yeah. so good. It's been good. So I, I was asking you before we recorded about Black Klansmen and if you've seen it yet, and I know you haven't, but there's this really, really interesting, do you know like the premise of Black Klansmen? I do. So yeah, so he's yeah. a police officer, the black guy is a police officer and he's like infiltrating the KKK, but he has one of his partners be him in the meetings, but over the phone with the KKK, it's the black guy. And there's this re- very like central question around creating change from institutional places versus creating change on the outside. So the girl that he's dating, she's like a Black Panther and she's like Black Power, fuck anything, anything establishment, anything authority, anything corporate, like you can't make change from the inside. And he's like, are you kidding? Like that's the best place to make change. Now you're in a, like academia is very, very structured, right? Yeah. How do you think about like your role in terms of still like moving art forward and moving diversity forward, but doing it within an institution like Stanford? Yeah. Um, well, I feel like there's one room for both. I think mm-hmm. both sides of that coin are very much important to pushing our objectives forward. My work in the institution, I feel like, is to one, be the vanguard of the institution. Mm-hmm. So to be, oftentimes, IDA, which is what our organization is called for short, 
Uh, we're like five years ahead of what the institution is even thinking about. But we have seen, and I've you know been associated with Stanford now for 10 years, yeah. and so I have seen the way that activism on the ground does have change and effect on an institutional level. Mm-hmm. So I do see that there is room and, and work to be done on that level. Yeah. Um, but my goal is to be the most radical person in the room, to be the most nice. outspoken person in the room. And of course, I'm picking my battles, but, yeah. but I think folks have come to know me <laughs> yeah. and expect me to do that. Yeah. And I very much see that as, as hugely a part of my work. And I know that it will take like five to 10 years before yeah. This happens. Yeah. So, you know, any change happens, but I have seen in my short time there those those cycles come to completion. That's amazing. Yeah. When you said 10 years, it really I know. Did that was that deep? <laughs> so wait, so we started 2008, 2007. Yes. Yeah, 2007, 8 was oh our year. Oh my god. In. Yeah. It makes sense though, because when I think about the way that we were living versus what I can tolerate now in terms of just like drinking, partying, like we would go, what was it? EBF, like on Wednesday nights, like just like a normal weekday was just shots, a lot. smoking. Yeah. What were we doing? Living our lives but as I feel young like, people. <laughs> but do you feel like you can do that now? I feel like I can't. Uh, I No, I definitely, no, definitely. I had like a margarita and I'm still feeling that margarita. But. <laughs> okay, well, good. We've got whiskey now. <laughs> totally. I want to get into kind of your, your, the way that you think about self-presentation. But yeah. before that, I want to back up and kind of get a sense from you growing up. Who kind of taught you about beauty? Like, where did you get your beauty lessons from? What did what yeah. did your mom and dad kind of pass on to you? Yeah. Well, I was raised by my grandparents okay. um, and then later by my aunt and uncles. And okay. then, of course, it was kind of a very very full family. Okay. I felt like I was raised by a lot of folks. Okay. I remember my aunt who raised me for a, a significant amount of time. She was very natural from the beginning. Like, she had sister locks, which are a form of dreadlocks. Okay. In the 90s, like very, you know, from all I I can remember of her. And she raised us in a very natural way. So when the kind of natural movement hit in this contemporary moment, it felt very natural to me. Right. You're Um, like, I've been, I've been doing this. I've been kind of in this. Or at least I've seen actual examples of women in my family who embrace this this lifestyle. So I feel like I got that from her. Um, my grandmother was just a, a silver fox. Yes. So like I always, I hope, please, Same. I want like just that beautiful silver yes. black and, you know. Yes. So regal. <sighs> yes. So I feel like those two women, my grandmother and my aunt, um, my mother was a beautician. Oh, really? Um, okay. And so she, for a, a long time, actually just like didn't, like that was our, our form of like a relationship building was going to her house and and she would do my hair and oh. like we would have that moment. That's and, nice. Yeah. So I think those three women. And so growing up, did you appreciate your hair? Did you appreciate your looks? Were you always confident? Or did it kind of take time to develop? I... I think back on this a lot because I was always like the big girl. I still am very curvy, you know? And so I... I always kind of think like, oh, I was. I felt like I always had a really good sense of self confidence, yeah. even though there was this thing that did make me very different from a lot of right, the other girls. Right. But I still felt like it was like my personality. It was yeah. my like sense of presence. Right. It was this artistic thing mm-hmm. that I've always kept, you know, even from very young. Yeah. Um, and that really filtered into the way I felt about myself as a whole person. Okay. And and so yeah, I feel like I. I mean, it's all it's cycles. You know this. Right, it's like yeah, I feel really great, and then there are moments when it's like you know, but. Um, not so great, but I do feel like looking back, I've been really, com- I've had a really good sense, good, strong sense of self. That's great. And I, I sometimes question, you know, why that was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And especially now that you're raising a daughter, right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. To, to, to realize all the, like, 
the way society conditions us. But I think it's interesting you raise this point about being curvy because now I feel like, like do you know this Instagram account, Thickstagram? Oh, no. Wait, this one they turned, no, this is not Thick, thick Beyonce, right? <laughs> but same vein. It's like okay. thick with like two Cs. I guess that's like the way that we're supposed to spell it now. And it's interesting how like, and I, let's, let me speak for myself. Growing up, I didn't see that much of like women with different body types exalted in media, right? It was like mm-hmm. very, very like skinny on the verge of like death models, right? Yeah. That's like all you saw. But now I feel like, especially with platforms like Instagram and even like lots of YouTubers that are body pause, you see a lot of different body types being kind of elevated. But then I also wonder like, well, is this, is this unattainable in a different way? Because mm-hmm. these... And I guess it depends on your body type, right? So when I look at these women, they're gorgeous, but like I'm never going to have curves like that, right? Yeah, totally. And there's almost like, there's like a right, not a right way to have curves. But then no, I understand what you're you saying. Know what I mean? so yeah. like, it's like, oh, like we're like bringing in more plus size models, but it's like, but their proportions are still like absolutely perfect. Yeah. yeah. And like, you're a very beautiful woman and like you, I, people would probably say you're like traditionally attractive, right? So I always wonder like, even as we're getting more examples are they still too unattainable? Well, um, yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I um, Well, one, I, I feel like it is the root of my work to create more opportunities for women who look different. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I, I, that is a very much a core value of That's when right. I'm creating things. Mm-hmm. To really consider that as part of the process. Yeah. Um, but I think it's really just about like how much space can we make? Yeah. You know, like, okay, I totally hear you. It's like, okay, if you're going to be thicker, you have to be thicker in this way. Exactly. And it's literally the same iteration right. of this. It's a different iteration of the same exactly. thing. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but I, I think I think that's, that is the work. The work is just to create more room. Yeah. And to really push back. And even I even think about that and question, I even very strategically question that in my own work. Like, mm. am I making this decision because I feel like it's a safe decision? And, you know, traditionally beautiful is a safe decision. Right. Um, and right. so, like, how can I how can I use the platforms that I have to just create more room? You know? Right, right. Yeah. And, I mean, your your first film, Inamorata, Sabina, who is dropped at Gorgeous, is a model. But it's interesting to me, she's often characterized as, like, a plus-size model, where it's just, like, she's just a beautiful model. Yeah. How did you kind of decide like casting for that film? And could you tell us a little bit about that whole project? Yeah. Um, so Enamorata is a, a short film that I, my first short film. So yes. my first kind of venture into filmmaking. Which by the way, I just have to say like, for your first film to be released by Issa Rae is like incredible. Your very first venture for it to be that beautiful, that a story so well told. I'll also link to it so everyone can watch it in the show notes. But for your first time doing a film, it's, it was, I mean, it's incredible. Thank you. It's because it was deeply collaborative. Yeah. Like it was like a whole team effort, yeah. um, of which you know many of the team, yes. the team members. Yes. Um, Shout out to Elliot and Lila. Yeah, and Elliot Wes and Lila, and, yeah. Wes and Shara of True Movement. But I guess to answer your question, we knew from the beginning that we wanted the lead to be a curvier woman, okay. plus size woman, whatever word we're going to use yeah. to say, like not traditionally a certain yeah. body type. Yeah. We, Sabina was on our wish list because I was just so. She's so gorgeous. She's so gorgeous, but she's also the one of the sweetest people I've ever met. And that really shows in just the way that she shows up in the world. Mm-hmm. I feel like she, her presence actually has done the work of allowing us to go from plus size model to just model. model. Yes. Absolutely. Like I feel like her work explicitly has totally. done that. And, you know, and she's been, and she's been such a model for me to show like how her body can 
grow, change mm-hmm. shape. She even was working all the way through her pregnancy. Yeah. She'll shout out to Savina. Yes. Um, and, and was working all the way through that. So just again about the idea of like how much room can we make? Mm-hmm. Like can we make room for ourselves to be to be an expression of of you know to be pregnant. Yes, no, totally. <laughs> to be, you know, to be postpartum, which I think is another big conversation oh my we're gosh, having absolutely. In, this, in this world right now. Yes. Um and to and to be real with ourselves to say that our body weight fluctuates and that's just the nature yes. of the game, exactly, you know. Exactly, exactly. Um, and what she taught me was like you're hiring me. You're not hiring this one Im- this one image you saw of me 5 years ago or this print ad that you saw of me last week. Like you're hiring me. Mm. And for me that was like that's so awesome. deep, yeah. yeah. That is super <laughs> so deep. deep. Yeah, I really, appre- I feel like Rihanna's been very vocal about the fact she's like my weight fluctuates. Like she's like I can go between like fifteen pounds in a week, and I feel like it's not something that's often talked about. And then I also appreciate the way Cardi B has talked about. Like she's been posting recently. She's like I'm not just on team snapback. Like don't expect to see me in like a little mini skirt like anytime soon. Like I'm taking time for my body to heal and recover. And I think about Ali Wong's comedy, and I I feel like there is a growing awareness across people that are hearing this message that don't expect for women to just give birth and then like the next week look the way they did before they were pregnant. Yeah. And I think uh, most folks don't even understand what the birthing process requires of your body. Okay, let's talk about it. What does it require? Because I'm like... I'm, I, I, please, what does it require? Okay, how, gra- I mean, well. Get as graphic as you'd <laughs> like, because I feel like the more details, the better, because yeah. it's not talked about enough, right? Yeah, okay, so there's a lot to talk about, but I, I think in particular, just what it requires to give birth. Yes. So for me, I, um, every well, every mother's birthing story is perfect, so I want to preface by saying that, because okay. a lot of women have a lot of different experiences. Yeah. But for me, I had a natural birth at a birthing center in Brooklyn. and Okay, um, okay, wait. Ooh, that was a lot. <laughs> Natural birth at a birthing center in Brooklyn. Okay, so that means you no drugs, no drugs, no hospital, and was not hooked up to any kind of device, so not even an IV. Okay, yeah. what prompted that decision? The environment. Um, the environment. I knew I didn't want to be at a hospital. Mm-hmm. I knew I didn't want to be regulated in mm-hmm. that way. Mm-hmm. If you look at the statistics, hospital births are the ones that are most likely to go into a C-section, mm. and a lot of it is a capitalistic model. They have to kind of keep things rolling. And if you're not progressing in a way that they feel like you should be progressing, they'll take measures, oftentimes not to the fullest consent of the mother Mm -hmm. or the people involved, Mm -hmm. to push your pregnancy Mm -hmm. along. And it's just detrimental for a lot of different reasons. Um, and that's the business of birthing. Actually, yes. there's like that's a documentary, right? The business of birth is a great documentary. Oh, interesting. Okay, I'll link to that too. Yeah. So it was environment. It was knowing that I wanted to have options. I wanted to have the option of being in a, a birthing tub. So like yeah. being a submerged in water. Okay, that's option. Nice. Yeah, the option of having my partner there to like actively assist with my pregnancy, right. to be able to move around, you know, yeah. to be able to sleep in a real bed, like a full size bed, like immediately afterwards. Yeah, yeah not like a stretcher. Or whatever yeah. You on. yeah. Yeah, and to be in a place that was literally all about this process. Right, right. And to be in a space right. that was, I mean, mostly, I think it was all women besides my... Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, besides Antico's father, yeah. And so was, did you have a doula? I didn't have a doula, but okay. I had, um, I had. Uh, there were two midwives at the center, and mm-hmm. then we had like what was called a birthing assistant. Okay. So kind of like a doula, but just for while I was at the center. Okay, yeah. okay. So and going she would into, come to do a house visit too. Oh, nice. Okay, so yeah. going into this, you know you have no like drugs, no way out basically. No you're way gonna, out. It was like feel, literally that. <laughs> yeah, you're going to, everything, you're going to feel every moment of this. Okay. Yeah, you're going to feel every moment of this, but your body has 
everything it needs to feel every moment of this. Mm. Like the best way I can describe giving birth without drugs is like being on shrooms kind of, you know, it's like very much like this trip. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. And it's because your body at different moments during the pregnancy releases different chemicals in your brain and in your body that just supports you on this journey. And it feels like literally like having a trip. (laughs) Really? In this like beautiful way um, because your body just again like expands its capacity for feeling yeah. in this really beautiful way. Like you understand <laughs> literally like, what's... Like life is coming out of me. Yeah, you know, and not to say that it's not difficult, right. but there are, but you realize like the part that actually is really difficult is the shortest amount of time and it's right before you give birth. It's that's called transition. The, the pushing? Well, okay, so that's complicated, but if you allow yourself to go natural, you don't even actually need to push, you really? know? Like if you really allow yourself to... To the baby to come at its most natural, like the pushing is actually very minimal. Really, there is this. I mean, no one will tell you that because they want you to. Yeah, again, yeah, it's yeah. the business of birth. Oh. <laughs> they want you to, you know, kind of right. cycle through wow, it. Wow, this is so interesting. Yeah, um, but the but transition is like this moment right before the baby is going to come, and it's like the most terrifying. You know, it's just like the actual moment of yeah. like real pain. Yeah, it's the shortest moment. It's like the time when I was like, okay, I'm just I'm just kidding. I want to <laughs> give me all the drugs. I'm just Bring kidding. Yeah, like yeah. please. And at that point, they actually gave me like salt water like you know they gave me like salt <laughs> yeah. water shots like yeah, you know yeah. like trying to simulate that I was getting something but yeah. I wasn't getting anything <laughs> but that moment is like you learn so much about yourself like mm. you just kind of transcend in a way that I, I hope most I hope women who are able to really allow themselves mm. to go there because then you really do feel like you're you know you do feel the, new, the newness of becoming a mother and the yeah. rest of it is just like you know the rest of it is a pro- long process yeah you know and there's definitely like you know rises and falls but yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's such a it's such a magical thing that women's bodies are able to do. And I would imagine like you probably feel powerful in a way that you just yeah. never could have imagined. Powerful and like a surge of energy just like racing through. Yeah. like again, it is like these this euphoria that feels drug like, yeah. you know, in this like really beautiful way. And I would I, I mean, I'm an advocate for that, you know. So if anybody if anybody asks me my opinion on birth or like the process, like I'm always like, you Natural. shouldn't rob yourself of this if you can, you know. Yeah. And it was a completely safe process. There were the midwives were on call. They knew we knew the plan. If I needed to mm-hmm. be transported mm-hmm. to a hospital, but the truth is, most women don't need that, right? And you know, wow. it's our society that totally makes us reconsidering. Think. Yeah, yeah. But um, but to your question, like, what are some of the things your body goes through? So, for example, like. To having indigo, like I, I forget what the name of that place is called, but basically like the place in between, like, you know, your how do I say this like oh, nicely? But between, I tore, yeah, yes, I tore yeah, yeah. in that that. How do you say this but, nicely? I don't just vagina and anus. asshole. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's, a, there's like a per- there's like a little place a name for it. Yeah. yeah, and it tears when you give birth. Yeah, and sometimes it tears when you give birth. Mine did, you know. So yeah. it was like a literal like having to get sutured back together. Oh, so it's like you are passing so much blood for a handful of days, like several days after. You cannot literally sit on a chair normal for several days after. And like no one tells you this stuff, you know? So to think that you're going to be like at the gym. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) You're like literally wearing depends. (laughs) Yeah. Because you are still... Your body's gone through so much. Yeah. Yeah. And not even going through so much, but still is in the process of reorganizing itself Mm -hmm. to what it was like before it supported like a nine pound, six pound being, you know? Yes. Did you enjoy being pregnant? I didn't. 
No? Okay. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to be Miz. I mean, not because I did enjoy it, but remember I was like very young. So I was just yeah. feeling the, I was just honestly walking around with a lot of <laughs> uncomfortable feelings about being pregnant so yeah. young, being pregnant without being married, mm-hmm. you know, being my the only one of my friends who were even like yeah. considering. <laughs> you oh know, gosh, so it was yeah. more like the isolation that made it feel. Yeah, I can see how that could yeah. be isolating. Yeah, but, but my friends are, I mean, still like so incredible. We're so supportive. It was just, I had to work through that, you know? Yeah, yeah. But it was beautiful. There were so many, sorry, I don't want to say, <laughs> that was the social aspect yeah. of it, but but like the actual. Physically? Physically. Did your I skin did really have a glow? I feel like it did have a glow. Okay. I feel like it was the healthiest time, like get, like pre-pregnancy, pregnancy, and post was like the healthiest time. Because you can't do anything, right? I mean, you, can't no, you can drink. do everything. Oh well, you can't drink and everything like that. But you are like, I don't know. For me, it was just from it was just my personal healthiest time. Mm-hmm. I was just like eating well. I was moving right. all the time. Yeah. Um, I was in New York, so I was just walking a lot more than I would in California. You know, California's car life. Of course. You know. Um, and there were just beautiful moments. Like, I remember, like, I would drink a, like a green juice, like mm-hmm. a, you know, fresh green juice, mm-hmm. and like indigo. My daughter, you know, would just like move in my stomach Aww. like immediately after like, you know, thank you for the green juice kind of thing. Yeah. So like beautiful stuff like that. That's great. I'm yeah. sure it kind of reinforces that like mind-body connection as well, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> there's I, like, I feel like just on the topic of motherhood alone, we could go, go so for deep very, on this. Yeah, absolutely. I want to ask you about your hair. I think I know the answer to this, but your locks are your own hair, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So you have natural locks. Yeah. Now everyone has faux locks now. Mm-hmm. Right? How Which do you, I love it. You, know? you love it? I mean, people should do with their hair what they want to okay. do. I mean, to be honest, when I first started my locks, I did Yeah, when did do you start your locks? I started my locks in 2014 or the end of 2013, okay. 2014. After college, yeah. Yeah, after college. Yeah. Right after college. And so what is that, like five years? Yeah. Yeah. Wow, they're so long. They're, yeah, they got your really hair, long. Your hair grows fast. It, well, I start. I didn't start it from, you know, some women start from like pretty yeah. low cut. Yeah. I started it from like, Okay. Like shoulder length. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was about like thickening. But when I first started my locks, they were like thinner than, they're like half the size of my pinky. Oh, really? They and very they just thin. like expanded? And they just expanded. I mean, it was a lot about just, well, once I, after I gave birth, I had, um, it's common to have like postpartum hair loss. Oh, Like yeah, you just start yeah, yeah. losing a you lot of hair. shedding hair, yeah. Yeah, and I, that happened. And so for me, that was like done locking it. Like yeah. I don't want to touch it. <laughs> I just want to let it do its thing. Yeah. And then also just like re- yeah, just re like heal itself. Yeah, and yeah. do you feel like locks are like a um, political statement, or is it just like an aesthetic choice, or both? The, both. Okay. I my daughter also has locks, yes. so I, I, it definitely feels aesthetic to me. I feel mm-hmm. like we people walk, we know people know it's my daughter. You yeah, know, I, I yeah. do appreciate that. Um, and for me, it it's like I love the aesthetic. Yeah, you know? it looks so cool. Thank you. Yeah. Um, but the political stuff, I think, really that happened more so in the process of getting to this place because mm-hmm. you know it's not a cute <laughs> getting locks or is not a cute process. Yes. like the first one to two years are like not cute. Like yeah. I would wrap my hair yeah. up every day. Totally, it actually cost me a job. Like the fact that I was wrapping my hair. Really? That's maybe a whole nother conversation. Whoa. Well, no, no. Let's talk about it. Because it, it's, it's, that's so interesting. So was it a corporate environment? It was. like illegal. Yeah. Um, you don't have to say the name of the company. Yeah, but, well, never. But how, did, how, did they, how did they bring it up to you? It was fine when it was like one day. Yeah. And it was fine when it was like two days. Wearing your hair in a head wrap. Yeah, wearing my head in a hair wrap. Okay. And of course it was like a presentable. Of you know, you see, I mean, everybody has like examples of what they can yes. look like. But once they realized like this was just like my new normal for mm-hmm. a while, I 
started getting comments like, your presence is uncomfortable. What? Like, like that was literally something that was said to me multiple times in close, like, one-on-ones and in public at that space. And it wasn't the most corporate place. It was like a kind of a startup-y vibe, you know? And white people, I'm assuming, were telling you this. Yeah. I just don't know how you can, like, (laughs) fix your mouth to say that to someone. That your pre- that you being in a head wrap is making people uncomfortable. Well, they never said that explicitly, which okay, they is why said they said your, your presence. presence is uncomfortable. And did you say what about my presence? Yeah, because you know, yeah. I mean, even I think your audience, I mean, you know, I'm very pleasant. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're lovely. So yeah, and, and so, so it was like, and how did they um, answer that? Well, I, I asked them for specific examples, and it was just like, of course, like a you know, like a runaround loop that never really ended yeah, anywhere, and you know, it, yeah, it was yeah, nothing to really. Yeah. Nothing really came of it yeah. besides my departure. <laughs> <laughs> but it's such a real thing. And I feel like non-black people don't fully understand, right? Like what we have to go through in terms of our hair in work environments. And yeah. having to think about it and how it's going to be perceived in an office setting or in an interview. It's like this whole psychological work that like is invisible to a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah, and I was, all I was thinking was, if I took my head wrap off, you would actually have a problem with <laughs> this wrap under there. But you I know, think, but I, think, I mean, but I understand. That's obviously a joke to say. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Wow, absolutely, yeah. But your locks are beautiful. I feel like we've seen like Kendrick Lamar go through even. I feel like he wore his struggle phase like outwardly, like it was great. Like I feel like we've seen Kendrick Lamar's like whole evolution. Yeah, and I mean J Cole. J Cole, but J Cole is going like free form. Is that what it's called? Yeah, freeform is just when you let it grow and the way that it, you don't touch it. Yeah. And the way that it grows is the way it's supposed to grow. Okay. Yeah. But like, there's spectrums to it, of course. Yeah. I feel like his is just like one lock at this point. Yeah. Remember how um, The the Weeknd used to have his? Yes. It's kind of, that's the same idea. It's both freeform. Yeah. Okay. So if he wanted to, he couldn't separate it at this point. He could. Oh, really? He could. He would, I mean, it would be like a cutting process. Yeah. If you set your hair, so in locks, your hair is like boob length. Bra strap length yeah. is the appropriate term, I think. <laughs> bra strap length. If you like loosened it and straightened it, it'd be what, like to your hips? I, I guess. It'd yeah, be I never so really thought long. about it. But that's only been in like five years. Mm-hmm. So do you feel like your hair is healthier because it's in locks and you're like not disturbing it constantly? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. My hair was like one of these where it's like half the size of my pinky. Right. Like that was like the stress right. that it had been under from a lot of different, you know, a lot yeah. of different reasons. And so what products do you use now? Um, I All natural products. So it's really just coconut oil, apple cider vinegar. Mm, I love apple cider vinegar. Yeah, it's like cleanse. a risk. Yeah, yeah. exactly. A, a nice rinse. And that's about it. It's like super minimal. That's super so minimal. Nice. Yeah, I just retwist it with water and maybe some oil. Nice. Call it a day. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And I feel like one of the things that we have in common, I don't get to indulge in it as much as you do, but I feel like we're both like nature girls. Like yeah. you love being in nature. Yeah, I live very much in nature right now. Yes. So that's good. Talk, talk to me a little bit about your your living setup because I haven't yeah. been able to see your new place. But well, please, I've, I've heard next stories. time. Yeah. I've heard <laughs> um, I live in uh, Woodside, California, which is like about 40 minutes south of San Francisco. Okay. And it's like very off the grid. And I never thought that, I'm from LA, so yeah. just that remember that context. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I never thought that I would live, um, and this literally off the grid, meaning like we don't have cell phone reception. Like to get internet at our house, we had to hire a tree climber <laughs> to like figure something out. Oh God. Like it's about 10 minutes driving off road, like across around bins of mountains with no... 
with like sounds straight like cliffs. Sounds like a dream. No, literally, it sounds like a dream. No, totally. It's beautiful. Like I wake up to like mountains and sunsets. It's really, I feel really blessed. And I live in a community space, so I live with other other folks. Okay. Yeah, with Indigo. And so do you, like what percentage of your day is spent outdoors? I mean, in the summer, a lot more. And the during the school year, I, I just work a lot. Yeah. So I'm kind of, I wish I could, I'm trying to move myself towards having more days at home, just yeah. being in nature. Um, but I do, I come down the mountain a lot for work um, every day. <laughs> so nice. <laughs> so it, is, it is a balance. Um, but in the summers, it's it's a lot more open. So we, we both did four years at Stanford. And you and I are probably not like the average. I feel like there's a lot of diversity at Stanford. So I don't want to like paint this picture that it's like everyone's just like in flip-flops and hoodies. But mm-hmm. did you, how did you think about yourself in the context of like the Stanford community? How did I think about myself? What do you mean? In terms of, did you feel like you, let me speak for myself. My first year, I felt like I made a huge mistake and I felt like I didn't fit in at all because there was, I just didn't find anyone like me. And I found it, uncomfortable for me to like find my place. And then eventually like I met my friends who are now still my friends today. But my, that first year was like super, super hard for me in terms of like finding my place and like feeling like I fit, especially coming from New York city. Like it just, my first year, it didn't like really click for me. And I would imagine that you like being very artistic probably didn't immediately find, but maybe you did, Mm -hmm. but maybe you didn't immediately find like your tribe. And I think a lot of people like go immediately into like frats or sororities, right? Mm-hmm. And like for me, that just like wasn't an option. Like I wasn't yeah. going to join like- Either side of that. Yeah, no, not for me. Yeah. Um, and there were places like the Black House and there, there were communities that I felt welcome in. But my first year, I felt very out of place. And I'm wondering if you went through any of that at all. Because we, yeah. we met my junior year, I think, right? In Terra. In right? Terra, okay, yeah. Okay, cool. I felt like I didn't quite fit in like the more mainstream black community because right. I felt like a little bit too queer and artsy for that space at that time. Yeah. I don't feel that way now. Like I, you know, I, I still work on, on campus. Yeah. I was going to yeah. say when I went back for the five-year reunion, the space was like very queer, very artsy, very cool. Like it seemed like- The black house? or No. Or just was, in general? It was like this outdoor area. I think it was like by where your office is. Oh yeah, it was the Harmony House. Yeah, yeah. So like all these like really cool people, like all the girls I noticed, like they didn't shave their armpits, but they mm-hmm. were like gorgeous and like, and, like <laughs> these tiny tank tops. Yeah, that's my like, world. I was like, wait, you guys, we didn't ha- like that wasn't a thing when we were there. Like there, yeah. there weren't that many like cool black folks that are different parts of the spectrum. No. Yeah, I feel like that's something that's happened just too as time has gone on. Like I feel like alternative blackness has actually become more of a recognizable thing. Totally. So I feel like that's been supportive of not only young people feeling confident to go and explore those parts of themselves, whether it is like their sexuality, Mm -hmm. their physical expression of self. So I feel like all that stuff has set the stage for Stanford to look very different if you're a person of color, especially if you're a black person. Totally, totally. And I guess Tara was... Like, what was, was Tara, like, officially, like, an LGBT mm-hmm. co-op? Yeah. Co-op. Yeah. Um, and it, I, like, loved, loved living there. And it was also funny, like, the drama. I remember. What was the drama? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> this one thing just stands out to me so much. There was, like, a sorority. I believe it was Pi Phi that was, like, next door. And, like, one of the girls from the sorority didn't get into, like, the Pi Phi house. So she lived in Tara. And she... She put, they had like some initiation sorority. Like you you guys know how sorority girls are. She had, there was a cake 
but the cake was made of like two boobs. Do you remember this? Oh, I do remember that. And this. it was like put in the refrigerator and, and people were like, email to the whole like co-op, like this is a very offensive, misogynistic, like representation of women. And like, we don't want it in the house. And I was like, oh my gosh, this Here is we go. <laughs> so much drama. Yeah, that's real. But yeah, I really appreciated my experience there. And I feel like I'm, I'm just, I'm learning new things every day. Like, I don't know if you listened to the episode with Angelica, she's trans and just hearing her experience as a woman is just, was so eye, eye-opening to me. And I feel like I'm also learning now, now more about being pansexual. Mm-hmm. And now people say that they're pan, like people don't say bisexual, people say pansexual yeah. often. And I kind of, I don't really know what, what pansexual yeah. means. Oh, thank you for bringing this up because I would love to talk about this. <laughs> Let's talk about it. Okay, so I remember being, okay, this is like 10 years ago, yeah. like in Tara, there was a person in Tara who was pansexual. And I honestly Ahead of their thought- time. For me personally, queer identifies what pansexual attempts to identify. Right. So for me, it's like queer as the overarching term, which for me means non-normative. Mm. That's how I identify queerness. Okay. So it's so my non-normativity in the ways that I express my sexuality and my desire. Whether okay. and I think that that spans a lot of the different ways in which that's complicated, right? For example, like my desire as a you know, as a curvy woman, mm-hmm. my desire as someone who is attracted to men and women and mm-hmm. trans folks, like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for me, queerness holds that. But that's just for me. Like I don't, you know, right, right. I, yeah. I affirm it's a very whatever personal folks thing. want to do. Of course. I think I realized that bisexual was too limiting because it felt like you were attracted to like cis men and cis women. Yeah. Well, it, it just reinforces the idea that gender, gender happens on a Binary. So right. that's either you are this or you right. aren't that. Right. Yeah. So in this kind of, yeah. So I'm same. curious for you as a mother, right? Because I feel like there is no place where the gender binary is more evident than like in children's toys, clothing. Yeah. They start decorating the rooms and like the color of the gender like immediately, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How have you thought about like gender binaries as you've been raising a daughter? Oh, yeah. So it's interesting. I was just having this conversation the other day with a queer friend of mine someone who identifies as GNC, gender nonconforming. Oh, is that the GNC? I haven't even yeah, heard Yeah, gender that. nonconforming. So okay. it's, I've heard gender nonconforming. Okay, so. Yeah. I was like, I feel like, you know, our, our life, the way that I'm trying to raise Indigo is to recognize that like gender happens very much on a spectrum. Like mm-hmm. we have friends that go by they, them. We have yep. friends that go by she, her, mm-hmm. he, him. Mm-hmm. We have friends that you just call them by their names. Right, You right. know? Um, and so I definitely feel like she gets that and yeah. she's gotten that from a very young age. Mm-hmm. Like she can she can look at our friends and be like, oh, such and such uses they them and yeah. you know just gets she's it really be easy. So woke. But uh but at the same time she does go to a traditional, you know, preschool. Yeah. Now she's going to kindergarten yeah. and she gets the exact opposite of right. that. The way they just socialize. The way they children. socialize it. So it's I definitely also see her wrestling with mm-hmm. the fact that we live in both worlds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I definitely it, it made me on a larger level think about the fact that I do believe that we're in a transitionary period where yep. both of those truths are living right next to mm-hmm, each other. Mm-hmm. But I do hope that we are moving towards a space where either you call folks by their name, the name that they would like to be called yes. by, or you ask them for what their pronoun preference is and, yep. you, and you try to, and then you actually keep, not keep asking them, but you also give them room to change. To change. Yes, yeah, that that's space, so true. You know? yeah. And it's been really great. And I guess the way that I've I, to go back to your earlier question about the lock aesthetic, yeah. I think locks for children are actually some of the, like one of the most gender neutral hairstyles totally. you can give, yeah. and it's actually a really big 
I I pat myself on the back when someone misgenders indigo. It's like that's a weird thing to say, <laughs> but like when someone You're thinks like, yes, indigo's a little boy, clear. yeah. And and but for me, that's like to be honest, though, she is so clearly like a beautiful little girl. Depending, Just, on, I mean, yes, based yes. on her features, but it, but yes. based but what she's wearing at the time, true, 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 true. You, you can, yeah, yeah, you can if you didn't didn't really like yeah. look at her deeply. You know? No, that's so interesting because also growing up, like my family is Christian, and I remember Easter Sunday, and I remember not even dreading it because of the long and boring service. That was enough but just feeling truly imprisoned by like the most uncomfortable dress mm. and uncomfortable tights and like these Mary the jeans, these patent leather <laughs> shoes that hadn't been broken in and just literally feeling like I wanted to like rip off my skin, right? Like you just feel so like claustrophobic and my brother would be like, I don't know, looking at a polo and some like khakis with an elastic band, like yeah. living his best life. And it's like, why do, <laughs> why do I have to be, like I have this huge bow in my hair. Like why do I have to be in prison and he gets to be free? But it was just like, yeah. you're a girl and it's Easter Sunday. So like, and I don't, and I'm saying that to criticize my parents because like, okay, yeah. it's cute to put little girls in dresses. But I do think about the way that parents of this generation will probably start to change a lot of those things, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Were you forced into? I I mean, I definitely did that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, everything that you just said resonates so yeah. deeply with me. I knew they were patent leather before you said they yeah, were patent exactly. leather. That, you know, for example, that. But yeah, I think it's just about giving giving room, you yeah. know? And I think, too, the spaces that we're in. For example, I don't think we really touched, about the, touched on this when we talked about Stanford, but one of the things I realized about Stanford after coming and living in the, on the East Coast is Stanford is a very, like, California is just so casual. Like oh the dress is just like the most casual situation. The most casual. That's ever. why I felt so uncomfortable. People were like, you're so dressed up. So, and I'm like, I'm just, just I'm took wearing, some time to get to myself together today. <laughs> like I'm literally, I would literally be wearing like loafers, like jeans and like a button down. And people would be like, wow, like you're so dressed up. And I'm up. like, yeah. am I? I'm yeah. just not in sweatpants. Like I didn't even know that it was appropriate. Like I would see people going to class in pajamas and I was genuinely like. Is this okay? Did, did they forget? Like, isn't this disrespectful? Like I just didn't. Yeah. And it's just a totally different approach to getting ready. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I've, I've I've appreciated my time on the East Coast like as a younger person and, yeah. and always now, like yeah. even, you know, because it does like say like there's a whole other world out yeah. there where these are the norms. Yeah. So I think it is like that balance of like ca- like being in more casual spaces and having that be okay, but also recognizing that it is an art to your, pre- like your presentation is an art, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and yes, yeah. yes. Your presentation is an art. And and so this this takes me back to what I wanted to talk to you about. What representations of women on screen and like within art in general you think are the most powerful now? Ooh, that's a good question. Because okay, so I just went to the Beyonce concert and you know I'm a huge Beyonce fan. Are you a Beyonce fan? Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, we can we can stay <laughs> friends. We can stay friends. The way that she is representing herself as a woman and all the different facets of being a woman and just like really owning her sexuality and using also, I think, a lot of historical images of women. Like, I feel like Beyonce is doing an incredible job. I'd love to know from you as an artist, kind of like who you admire and who you think is doing an interesting job of like portraying women. Yeah. I... I'm going to take that question a little bit differently. Okay, yeah. Like, I'm really excited about Crazy Rich Asians. Oh, same. You know? Um, same. Have you seen it yet? I have not seen it yet. Okay. I'm going to see seen it. it. Yeah. Is it out yet? 
Is it out on maybe it it's probably out is this out Friday? This, yeah, I think it's out like but now. I've, yeah, sooner if not now. I've heard podcasts on it, so I think the critics have seen it. I have not seen it. Okay, I'm excited. Okay, so I, I'm not going to speak to it on a content level. Yeah. I hope it's great because yeah. it, I hope it's great. Yeah. Um, but just the idea of like, my question is like, who are we not seeing? Yes. And how yeah. can we see more of that? Yes. You know, yes. and I think that's like the most powerful thing. So I very much now as a creator am thinking like, okay, if we're very real about representation. On the people of, like, you know, of course, like, whiteness is highly overrepresented. We know that. Yeah. Done. But if we look at the representation of people of color, blackness is yes. actually highly, like, overrepresented. Oh, yeah. Do you know? Yeah, totally. So, how can I use the leverage of myself as a black creator mm-hmm. in this moment now where black creation is something mm-hmm. that is more legible than it? I mean, it takes cycles. So, it's yes. been legible before, but right now it's legible yes, in a way. Yes. Um, and how can I broaden that? How can I support? create opportunities for others to enter into that space yes, that don't look like me. Totally. So for me, I'm really excited about Asian rep- Asian American representation, not even just Asian American, but Asian yes. representation. I'm really excited about indigenous representation. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited about, of course, the continuation of like how much space can we create within blackness. Yes. Um, but for me, that's like the most exciting. Totally. That's the vanguard. That's like what's what we're moving towards, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. One of my favorite podcasters, Kid Fury, is yes. doing this HBO project with Lena Waithe. And I'm like, literally cannot wait because I feel like from what it sounds like it's going to be a very different representation of blackness as well. Yeah. Have you seen Terrence Nance's A Random Acts of Blindness on Linus. HBO? Everyone keeps telling me about this. I need to I need to watch it. Okay, watch it, but I think then afterwards let's debrief okay. because it's not, it's amazing. Let me preface by saying it's amazing. It's like not unlike any TV you've ever seen, Okay, but I think it does need some unpacking and mm-hmm. like reference like reference of the context of which mm. it's coming out of. But I feel like that is a representation of blackness that I've have never seen. seen before. I oh, I've seen, but not in a context where I can flip a channel on right. TV. Right, 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 right. <laughs> you know, like someone right. late at night just like flipping through and like yes. happens upon yes. the show. Yeah, totally. it's incredible. Do Absolutely. you think that like long term you want to be like a content creator? I mean, you are a content creator in addition to doing the work that you do now. So mm-hmm. Do you think like it's what your ultimate, term. yeah, long term? Yeah, goal? I'd like to create um, a series for like teens, tweens. Mm. So I'm actually interested in. Ah. I'm not. I mean, I'm interested in adult content. Yeah. Um, or adult, adult series, adult yep, films. Yep. You know, but I'm actually really interested in like middle school, high school. Oh, interesting. Yeah. The Degrassi era. I literally, I'm interested <laughs> in Degrassi. Yes. Like literally, I mean, yes. that's like the perfect reference. It's like that. You know, because I, I feel like that at that time, like identity formation is so rich and can totally. go. It can go in either way. Totally. You know, about like just again one self worth. Yes. And so for me, I feel like that's a very important space. Mm-hmm. And I also feel like a lot of our talent is like I feel like it's all geared towards adults yeah you know so all geared true. towards like 20 or 30 20 somethings and 30 somethings totally um and I was in, of course being a mother now like I just have insight to a lot more children's programming than I've ever had of in course, my life yeah Be, you know when I was in, except for when I was a child and it's not I mean there's some brown groundbreaking things but a lot of it is like Oh no! Like I had to reprogram. Like, oh no, this is actually not a great model for yeah, you're living like, your life. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't know if I want you watching. I that. I don't know yeah. if I want you watching that. I feel like that's where I'm growing towards. That's where I like to grow towards. Yeah, I could. So to- I could totally see that. Like Thank the you. Shonda Rhimes for Gen Z, like the kids yeah, set. Yeah, absolutely. I love like I love the that. the metaphysical Degrassi. Yes, I love that. <laughs> the Mystic Degrassi. I yeah. love that. I love that. <laughs> Okay, so we need to talk about the beauty products that you're absolutely obsessed with, in love with, or beauty trends. Um, let's do beauty trends. Okay, beauty trends that you love. That I love. Okay. Yes. Well, I mean, I love 
the trend that's coming with Beyonce's September Vogue, which is just like, mm. how can we get as like literally natural looking yes. as we can yes. and see that as, as beauty and see that as like camera ready, yes. you know? So that feels really good to me. Can I challenge you on that? Yes. So you have like very beautiful skin yeah. and like you, you're attractive, conventionally attractive, which I've already established. Beyonce is very conventionally attractive. So the no makeup look when you're already beautiful is like... Yeah, like some there's some isms in there. Right, <laughs> right, yeah, right. totally. I feel like it will be progress once we see women that aren't conventionally beautiful also do the new makeup, no makeup thing. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yes. So thank you for pushing me back on that yeah. because I think that is very real. And as someone who doesn't actively come up against that, like, you know, for example, skin yeah. issues, right? Yeah. Your like, skin's perfect. That, Have you ever had a breakout? You. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Have yeah, you? yeah, yeah. Um, okay. For me, it's like, it goes deeper than that. Okay. So I felt the most beautiful, and this is, I'm not in this like active moment right mm-hmm. now, but like I felt the most beautiful when I was literally feeding my body only the things that needed to mm. glow. Like I had mm-hmm. this like intention of, it was like glowing and creating. Like that's what I want my intention mm. for the year to be, glowing, glowing and creating. Glowing and creating, I love that. Thank you. <laughs> glowing and creating, yes. Yeah. And so that meant like, okay, I really need to examine like everything that I'm taking into my body. Like I need to, and again, I'm like, I'm not in that active space right now. Yeah. I'm working to return there. Yeah. But, you know, it's a, a huge commitment, yeah. obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, I need to really examine like what it is that I'm taking to my body, you mm-hmm. know? And what it is that not only am I taking into my body, but that I'm putting on my skin, mm-hmm. that I'm, you know, mm-hmm. like the environments that I'm yep. in, like yep. all those things. And I actively feel that all those things set you up to be on that other side of mm. this no makeup look. Yes, yes, you know? yes. And so, and not to discredit anybody's journey or right. how folks mm-hmm, skin, mm-hmm. you know, is expressing yep. in this moment. But I do feel that, We've been fed a lot of lies and we've been fed a lot of crap that ultimately contribute to things like the wellness of our skin, totally. the wellness of our hair, totally. the wellness of our blackness, to be honest. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Like you've seen, I'm, I'm 100% Paul, you've seen those things of like the two girls with the ponytail and it's like the ponytail when I had my perm and the ponytail when I went natural. Yeah. Oh my it's gosh. It's like literally, I feel like that is actually the... The nine day, yeah. That, but that is the that that illuminates yes the conditions of our li- of our living. A hundred percent, you know. And so, and I do feel like that that translates across every different level. Mm-hmm. Of, I mean, from just like our bodies, and of course, there's always fluctuation in all of this. But our bodies, our skin, mm-hmm. our hair, totally. I think it definitely starts first in like, okay, how do we decolonize the conditions in mm-hmm. which we are creating for our bodies? Wow, super deep. Okay, I like that. Yeah, because it's it's change. Like you know, like it, it. I think it does have like really transformative change potential. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I just I just did a, a solo episode about Ayurvedic beauty that I've been like studying, mm-hmm. and and your ojas, which is this idea that like you have this inner vitality, and that by feeding this inner vitality, and they say even like avoiding overworking or avoiding like stress, stress, right? Like it, it yeah. all manifests, and like. The description that the book I was reading gives for like when you when you have good OJS, it's like when you come back from a long vacation, right? Like your face actually looks calmer, it looks happier. Like your everything you're putting in manifests itself in your outward appearance. Yeah, and like you can't minimize that, and people try to minimize it, and, and you can't mimic it. Which is yes, like, well, I you, feel like we're in this moment of mimic. Exactly, because <laughs> I feel like, like highlighter is not a shortcut to like an inner glow. Yeah, like. 
Yeah. If you're like, neither is Dewey. (laughs) You like, by all means, like rub oil all over your face. Great. Like get as glossy as you want, but like also get sleep. Right. Also make sure that you're surrounding yourself with people that nourish your spirit and inspire you because all of that does translate on your face. I really love that. Any other beauty trends that you love? I mean, so that anything that that does that detoxifying work. So okay. like the Aztec clay is oh, like- Oh, I love a good clay. Yeah, okay. the Aztec clay is like that and you mix it with apple cider vinegar Okay, as, yes. a, as a face mask. Yes. I, a friend of mine described it as like, it's pushing out like everything yeah. and it's not supposed to be there. It really is um, though. Yeah, and I, I, I love like, that's like a go-to for me. Oil cleansing as opposed to, you know, water-based. Yeah, I feel like that's a go-to for me. And, and really like allowing yourself to reset into that different routine, yep. you know, so not cutting off things too quickly before. Because it does like- It takes pull, time. It takes time, yeah. And it does pull out the things that you don't want to see before it all the illuminates the things. All the impurities yeah. come to the surface. I feel yeah. like so many people have written to me as I've like been sharing oil cleansing stuff and they've been like, I did it and my skin broke out. And I was like, but did you give it a month, right? Because like, yeah. yeah, maybe the first two weeks you're going to have horrible breakouts, but then- yeah. And you got to experiment within that too. Totally, right? totally. Yeah. Totally. And I- it actually took me a long time to realize that my skin does not love coconut oil, like my the skin on my face especially. And then I discovered pumpkin seed oil. Oh, nice. Which is like actually for people that are like acne prone, pumpkin seed oil is like key. Yeah, I'm like an olive oil with a hazelnut oil mix. Ooh, I haven't even Girl. tried hazelnut yeah. oil. Hazelnut is, is like the astringent side of it, and okay. olive oil is like the moisturizing, moisturizing. side of it. Yeah. yeah, okay. So you do hazelnut instead of like castor oil. Most people use uh, castor yeah, oil. Yeah, I mix it. I think it's like... Um, Two to one, okay. one to two. Yeah, something like that. Okay. It's not a direct one yeah, to one. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, Cool. Something like that, yeah. Some about the oil. So I appreciate yes, hearing you just say this. I think smells, we can't underestimate the value of smells. And totally. so I've even divested from the perfumes and colognes yeah. and yeah, things yeah. For, for things like this. Which you essential know? oils do you love? I love the woodsy ones, like okay. the Colossan. Oh, so actually you really did like yes, know my essence yes. in a very real way. Okay, amazing. Um, but I love like the Palo Santos, the Cedarwood. Um, just like the really grounding yeah. ones. I mean, but of course I love a good lavender. Like, yeah. you know, just Everyone, like the typical. Lavenders can do no wrong. Yeah. This has um, clary sage. Do you know clary sage? Mm-hmm. It has clary sage, cannabis, sandalwood. There's some sandalwood oh, nice, in there. It's nice. very like woodsy, earthy one. Okay. Yeah. So I love those because it just feels like. A return to different. earth. Yeah. yeah. It, yeah. it does. It, it changes my mood. I mean, you can, I, it's, yeah, I love it. I've just tried it. So nice. Yeah. Any other beauty trends you like? Um, okay. Trends besides that one or, or products things. or things. I mean, when I just appreciate like now we can go into Sephora and there's like an actual like natural beauty section, you know? <sighs> okay. You this is like, a, this, no, listen, 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 listen. <laughs> this is a whole thing. It's a whole thing for me because I see the way that natural beauty is being co-opted. Yeah, totally. And this consumer lens on natural and I struggle with it because the amount that they're charging for like cold press, like argan oil or things that you can, yes. do you know what I mean? Like <laughs> totally. I do a lot of my skincare shopping, like at like health food shops, mm-hmm. right? Cause Absolutely. like I don't need it in this like Sephora, like pink boxing, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. But to be honest, it's progress. Like I should celebrate all progress. It's good that people are becoming more aware, but I just, I struggle with how much it's been co-opted by these like major corporations. Oh, everything. I mean, from hair care to skincare and everything. But like in terms of, yes, in terms of products, I feel like if you can't eat it, you shouldn't put it on your skin. Like that's Mm. just a fundamental for me. So like 
the coconut oils is a kind yeah. of example of that. Like I would never put something I a lot of the cleansers just don't work for me. Yeah. But in terms of like a lipstick or like oh, a yes, mascara yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, or yeah. like yeah. things like that, yeah. like I've appreciated that I it's I don't have to like deep dive search totally. to this yes, place that's yes, not. Yes, yes, yeah, you yes. know, I appreciate that on that level yes. it's very Yes. Very chill. Like even I forget the brand, which is fine. I don't need to like shout out brands here, but um, just like it's like a coconut oil jelly kind of like tint thing, which oh, I love, cool. and it feels really good, feels really light. Just but and I know like literally the three products that are, that in, are in it. it. Yeah. yeah, it's like coconut yeah. oil tint, like you know, some yes. kind of like pigmented tint. Okay. That's you know, nice. Like yeah. that feels really good yeah, to yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I like I love um, Bite Cosmetics. They do like I'm a natural a huge Bite girl. I like yeah. Bite. Have you been to their um, Soho location where you can mix your own shade of lipstick? No. Yes, you can meet I with a colorist and you can mix your own shade of lipstick, and they like store it for you for like five years if you want to order more. Oh, nice! And you can like add in different essential oils. It's actually it's really deep. okay, y'all. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Bite is like where it's at. Yeah, Bite has been really good because Bite is like something you can like wipe off and it doesn't like leave anything on your yeah, lips. Yeah, because it's not like scary. Yeah, it's really nice. Yeah, Yeah. shout out to Bite Cosmetics. You guys are doing great stuff. Yeah. What are the beauty trends that you're just you would really love to see people just retire forever? Yeah, Um, I think the really big false eyelashes. Yeah. And just just the like the makeup that's like deeply layered, you know? Because and and I feel that because I mean again I I thank you for just like calling my attention to like the privilege of (laughs) having you know not needing to do that. Yeah. Actually, I do really deeply appreciate like mm-hmm. the women who can pull that who pull that look mm-hmm. off like actually very expertly, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but I do th- worry about that being our norm, yes. like our normalized yes. view of yes. what a presentational face looks like. Right. If men, <laughs> if men had to do like six layers of like contour and a base and a foundation and concealer and a setting powder and they had to bake their face and watch a 20 minute, they would be like, what? And like even the eyes, you yeah, know, like yeah. I love the, I love viewing it, yeah. but I would feel so bad about myself if I felt like I had to do that every, every day. Every single day. Yeah. yeah. Or if, if I didn't feel presentable. Without, unless, yeah. unless I did that, you yeah. know, and so for me, it's 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 less about like th- what it's doing, but more about like is it nor- are we becoming like very normalized mm-hmm. to this, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So I think that about scares that also me. for <laughs> for men. In ter- like my younger brother and what he considers attractive, he tends to like the more dolled up girl oh, like look, yeah. And I totally. don't think he quite realizes like how much is going into that. And I think money wise too. I mean, come money, on, time, right? Like you're yeah. always going to be waiting for the person. Like, are you ready yet? Are you ready yet? Are you ready? Okay, it's been an hour. Are you ready yet? Right? Totally, totally. And yeah, I don't know if like, I don't know. I I, I keep toying with this idea of doing this um, episode all just talking to men because I, I wonder if like the natural beauty look is even appreciated anymore. Yeah, I I just want. I mean, I've appreciated the option to not do that every day to yeah. like really make it totally very much an accessory yeah. rather than like what I look like. Yes. You know? Yes. I yes, deeply yeah. appreciated that. Yeah. Um, and it, yeah, I it just, it, it's not even a knock on the look. It's yeah. just like, <laughs> yeah, you want the option. I just so want like, the option. Yeah. I just don't want to be like so marred to that, you know, yeah. just like, so like chained yeah. to it. Yeah. And I don't want to invest in it to be honest. Like yeah. I don't want to like spend the yeah. money that like, it already costs like a hundred at least if you walk into a place oh, like that just totally. for like basic stuff, totally, you know. Totally. So I don't want to even invest like invest yeah. my time or money into that space yeah. at yeah. all. And the false eyelashes, like 
they look cute, but when I, if I've been wearing them and I come home, it is like the first thing I take, like, because it makes your eyes feel heavy. Like it's not like yeah. your eyes are like, what is, what is this foreign object you've glued onto me? Like, I don't <laughs> like this, right? Like your body knows. It's heavy. Yeah, your body but knows what you're I do doing. love the, I've never had them before, but I do love the extension. Oh, I mean, it looks amazing, <laughs> right? Like you, yeah, yeah. you got your eyes in the eye, like in the mirror and you're well, like. Well, like the individual lash. Oh, the individual Individual yeah. lash extension, as opposed to like Those are strip. also bad for you though. I know, but. I, they I look actually amazing. like those better. They look yeah. amazing. They're very totally, like flirtatious totally. and like you're like, yeah, you're like batting your eyes all day. But even those, they can cause like really bad like eyelash shedding and then you have to get like fill-ins and then it's just like this whole cycle yeah, and totally, then you get addicted totally, totally. to the way your eyes look that way. And then But that's all the things. I feel like things, I, yeah. I had a moment when I was doing the gel nails. Oh. Like the not even acrylics, yeah. but just like just gel. gel, just gel the nail is polish. totally addicting. Yeah. yeah. But it would literally like my nails would be your nails new. Translish, like translucent. <laughs> they were thin and brittle and your nails were <laughs> yeah. like a lot. Like please like you're, yeah, you're paying it. a lot of money for this. Like yeah. you know, on the bi weekly yeah. or whatever. Yeah. So like I feel like anything that does that. Yeah can't really be something yeah the, do. yeah it's and it's, it's so interesting how like again like your body always yeah. knows like your nails knew that that's not what they needed quickly, quickly <laughs> yeah I just got my nails done today and because I had gel I had gel two weeks ago so I allow myself to do gel once oh, a nice. month yeah that's so I'm like cool. if I'm traveling on vacation like I know that this is going to chip probably in four days I mean that's that's the, the lure of it it's like it doesn't chip it doesn't chip it stays until you pick it off or take it off. Yep. You know? And it's yeah. and it's perfect. And I always like bump my nails after getting them done. Like when they're wet, like I'm that person that's like, sorry. Oh yeah, always. Sorry, I just bumped. And they're like, Ugh, okay. I always tip again. You guys should all do that. If you go to get your nails done and you mess them up, you should like pay them. That's good. Yeah. But yeah, gel is totally addicting and a very compelling choice. But I don't, long-term, it's not good for your nails. Yeah. What do you do for your nails? You have very healthy nails. Uh, nothing. Really? It's rough. Really, you don't I mean, like put oil on them. No, like, I don't do. I don't do anything. But I need to do more okay. things. You have. I, I. I. gave Lila a hard time about this when she was on the podcast. You have the hair, skin, and nail gene. You know, oh, there's this biotin. Well, yeah, biotin <laughs> can help it, but it's like the same gene that controls like your skin and your hair and your nails. It's like it's it's like what creates your keratin. Like if you have it and it's good. Like you have it. And it works, yeah. Yeah, because you have clear skin, beautiful hair, and beautiful nails without Thank doing you. a lot. Thank you. Yeah. Which is great. Okay, I think you know, I think you know the last question that's coming, but I would love to hear when do you feel the most beautiful? I feel the most beautiful like right after I take a shower and I get into my room and I just like lay out and air dry. <laughs> yes, yes. As you're like looking yeah. at the mountains below you. <laughs> just like that kind of privacy, mm-hmm. peace, and like you just, hi- you know, you literally just like rinsed yourself off. Like not just rinsed, but like of course like yeah. washed and yeah. like, you know, but you're like still like kind of drippy, you know. Totally. Like, yeah, I love that space. Like where it's just like the basics, like clean. Yes, 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 <laughs> You know, yes. just the basics, clean, not dolled up or expected to be. Mm-hmm. Like I, I also like that space because I, I know if I'm able to do that, I like have enough time to, like yes. I've allowed myself enough yes. time to not feel rushed about. Yes like getting out of the door, right, you know? And so right. usually that's like, unfortunately, just weekends, yeah. you know? Um, but I feel like that's when I feel most beautiful, alone and air drying after a yes. shower. Or I that. love it. I love it. Well, yeah. cheers to that. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming Thank on. you, bro. It's been so great catching up. For everyone listening, I will link to how you guys can find all of Alon's amazing work um, and how you can keep in touch with her. Um, and thank you guys so much for listening. Until next time. 
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 